as a ship captain, I was doing some maritime security operations off the coast of Sochi, Russia, in support of the uh, uh, Winter Olympics in 2014. You're listening to the Christoph Lewis Podcast, a podcast where I have conversations with inspirational people. My name is Chris, but my family calls me Christoph. My goal is to have as many conversations as possible with people who have forged their own path by pursuing their dreams, making them a reality, all the while emitting positivity and sharing this knowledge with others. I seek these people out and share this information with you, proving to the world that you can do what makes you happy and do what you want for a living while being a good human being. We'll talk about careers, but we'll also cover any story that inspires. Let's do this while helping each other. Thanks for listening. I'm happy you're here. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Christoph Lewis Podcast, Create Your Career. I'm so excited that you're here, truly humbled that you take some time out of your day or night to share it with me and my guest today. My guest today is Dennis Volpe, and he was a former commander of a Navy ship, and he's gone through a few different transitions. We talked about them today, and why do I highlight transitions? It's because I sold myself short, and I, you know, I didn't think enough when it came to transitions and i see other people that aren't taking transitions serious enough that are also selling themselves short and that aren't preparing enough for a transition not just a military transition you know we don't just talk about that but just career to career from whatever it is maybe you're going from civilian to military or military civilian or civilian to civilian you know just job to job to career to career don't sell yourself short know that you have it in you and dennis shares that with us today and so much more a lot of things i always say focus on the podcast and things you can take away and apply to your own life. This is an episode where you can take a lot of things away and apply to your life to make it better, to not sell yourself short, to be able to know that you can ask for help. All things that we talk about a lot easier to say than actually do. So it's my hopes that after listening to this episode that you not only just know and can talk about these things, but you go out and apply it to your life and help other people. So remember, you can find this episode and all the other conversations and the contemplations on ChristophLewis.com forward slash podcast or on any of your favorite podcast apps. You can head over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and rate five stars. Head over to YouTube, subscribe. Best way to help the podcast out is just to check out all the other amazing podcasts that there are and sharing with the friend. So thank you so much for listening. I never take it for granted, as I say, it always bears repeating. So without further ado, welcome to the Christoph Lewis Podcast, Create Your Career. Christoph, thanks for having me. Uh, I've been uh, looking forward to this uh, since we talked, and uh, I look forward to chatting with you. Yeah, likewise. I was just telling you a second ago, it's really cool and special for me to be able to to have somebody come on the show that was recommended by somebody else. Now, our friend, mutual friend, John McCaskill, just brought us together, and you and I jumped on the phone, and I heard kind of what you had done, what you had experienced, and more importantly, what you had taken away from that and how you're helping other people through that. So I'm really interested to hear more about that. But before we get into the rest of the show, I'd love to hear a little bit more about yourself. Sure, absolutely. Uh, married uh, to, to an awesome wife, uh, currently living in uh, New Hampshire. And, uh, you know, originally, you know, just a lacrosse kid from uh, Long Island that ended up going to the Naval Academy, uh, you know, played some rugby there and then uh, did, uh, you know, 20 years as a surface warfare officer. And now I, uh, I'm a principal consultant uh, and coach with the uh, Leadership Research Institute. That's awesome. Incredible that you're able to do 20 years right off the blocks. Like, was it always your intention to do 20 years or like, how did that go? Like, I, I'm always so curious because everybody's path 
is so uniquely different. Uh, I, absolutely not. I, I have this <laughs> conversation quite often. I like to say I kind of transitioned into a military career on accident <laughs> because I really didn't have any idea what I wanted to do except for I knew I wanted to go to the Naval Academy. I knew I wanted to be an officer. I knew I wanted to learn about leadership I, and get that experience and serve my country and then serve my community in, in law enforcement. But then when it was time to uh, transition out, uh, and that was late 2000, early 2001, the one option I thought about briefly wasn't available. I wanted to get into federal law enforcement and those opportunities yeah. at the time weren't available, mm -hmm. but the Navy made it simple. They're like, well, what do you think about getting a graduate degree? What do you think about extending on shore duty for a year? Mm -hmm. And what do you think about a bonus? You're like, oh, the trifecta. All right. <laughs> sure. I, I didn't have to. Th they made it easy. They made it simple. And I didn't have to think. Nice. So, so that's interesting. And you brought up transition, too. And I know that's something that we had discussed when we talked over the phone. And you had mentioned that there's three types of transitions that you've experienced. And can you talk us through what each of those are and then walk us through yours and maybe some lessons learned from those? Absolutely. I think the first one is exactly what I just described. I call it trans transitioning on accident. You know, <laughs> when you get off, you end up somewhere where you didn't expect to be because you didn't think about it. Mm -hmm. You didn't think about mm -hmm. what mattered to you. You didn't think about what you valued and you didn't really have a personal decision matrix around, yeah, this is what I want to do and this is why. And then something gets presented to you, and you're like, yeah, okay. And then you keep moving. Mm -hmm. And then you've got, uh, you know, a forced transition. And and then you've got a transition on purpose. And I, I view a forced transition as you not having the ability to do what you want to do mm -hmm. and what you enjoy doing and what you get satisfaction out of. And now you have to do something different. And I experienced that as well. You know, as, as a commanding officer uh, of a warship, you know, it's a pretty, pretty good deal. Uh, you know, if you go back to that uh, accidental transition when I never <laughs> planned to actually make it a career and then you're then you're a commanding officer, uh, you're you're in the company with a lot of a lot of cool folks, mm -hmm. a lot of awesome folks. And um so I had the unique opportunity to, I like to say, as, as a ship captain, be on top of the world. You know, I was doing some maritime security operations off the coast of Sochi, Russia, um, in support of the uh, uh, Winter Olympics in 2014. And um, I like to say, so we were close enough that uh, we were able to see the Olympic torch in oh, the wow. foreground of the Sochi mountains. And definitely close enough that... Uh, you know, there was uh, Russian uh, maritime assets that were very interested by our presence. Mm -hmm. And uh, what that meant was what you were doing was being briefed to the highest levels of military and civilian leadership here back in the States. So as a ship captain, you know, you're on top of the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely on top of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and we had the checkoff station and go get fuel and uh, good, bad or indifferent Um when we pulled into uh, the harbor to get fuel, um, we had a mishap. We ended up having a grounding, and uh, we had four 
propeller blades that were uh, damaged and we were deemed non-mission capable. So in a matter of about 24 hours, uh, I went from being on top of the world to being in the, in the loneliest mm. place a professional military officer could be is where your unit is, is non-mission capable. And that led to about a two year um, journey uh, that led to my force transition. And, mm. you know, you know a little bit about, you know, the military judicial system, but when you have a mishap like that, you're never going to have the opportunity to command again. And rightly so. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, cause once you say I've got it and it's your burden, you're responsible and your accountability and you're accountable for that. Mm-hmm. So I knew I wasn't going to be able to command again. So I had to figure out what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as a result, when you're in the military, and I, I believe this is true for military men and women, uh, first responders, and any other job that really makes you do and embrace the organizational culture so you could be successful. And I like to say it, it's a role versus identity thing. Mm-hmm. What you do is who you are, and who you are is what you do. And if you don't take the time to figure out who you really are, in terms of what you value, what you want to prioritize, and what really matters and who really matters, you can get really, really lost. Yeah. And when you separate those apart, it could be a really, really scary place. And it was for me. So force transition being, you know what, I can't do what I want to do. I have to figure something else out. Mm-hmm. And um, the last one is transitioning on purpose. And when you transition on purpose, it's you know, when you look at those other two transitions, well, I didn't really think about it. And you know what? Somebody else told me I couldn't do what I wanted to do. It's actually figuring out who you are. Mm-hmm. I like to say it's it's literally reflecting inward to sort out who you are, what you are, and really where you want to go. Exploring outward in terms of what's out there, what are the options, what makes sense to me when I think about all those things that matter to me. Mm-hmm. And then I like to lean towards, lean towards your, your personal and professional network mm-hmm. and then act on. It. Yeah. And I would say that the biggest lesson for me, uh, is throughout that force transition and then transitioning on purpose into the consulting field and the coaching space is being okay, asking for help. Yeah. Yeah. Being brave enough and courageous enough to say, you know what? I can't do this on my own. I don't have all the answers. But you know what? I've got a tribe around me mm-hmm. that has the wisdom. They have the experience. And you know what? They have the connections to make me the best person I can be. And along the way, I'm going to help people do the same thing. Yeah. I love that. And doesn't that tie in so many of the things that? you know, that I love to talk about on this and that we talked about in our phone call. And you really just hit so many things that I I love touching on, but I want to really just, I want to highlight the fact like you were talking about the force transition and all eyes were on you and that it's a lonely place. And I think it's, it's so humbling to hear you describe it as such and being on top of the world. And then, I mean, all of that responsibility that you're shouldering and then being able to share that with us today. So I appreciate that. I know we've talked about it before. I know you've shared it before, 
but I think it takes a lot for somebody to continuously share things like that in their lives. And I know it's both for you and both to help other people as well. And that's that's one of the things I'm talking about with this podcast is to be able to articulate that, hey, we can go through these things and you can be quote unquote on top of the world and you can be lonely when you are shouldering all the responsible and it can be tough and it can be forced, but that's not the end of it. You know, that's, that's barely, you know, you're barely getting started. Yeah. You, you had a, you know, you had an on purpose transition after that. You're doing great things. You're helping other people. You're consulting, you're coaching, you're helping, helping, helping. And I think that's just the inevitability of pushing to do more. That's the inevitability of, hey, you chose to be in that position and shoulder that responsibility. And that's some of the things that happened, whether or not it was your fault or whatever, that doesn't matter anymore because it's happened. So what are you going to do walking away from that? And I, so I love that. And, and you're right. And this, one of the second things, the bigger things that you talked about was, you know, we talked at length about personal identity that it's created out of roles and jobs a lot of times, but we discussed about not attaching that to a person, place, or, you know, a company or a mission, but, or, or establish it to a mission, establish it to a, a, a calling. So th- this is definitely an issue for many. It's an issue for a lot of people coming out of the military or just people that have that identity attached to, you know, maybe they're really, really proud of their work, which is good. And that's great. I'm, I'm very happy for somebody to be proud of their work, but don't establish your identity to that. So I know that's something you struggled with, but how did you work through that or how are you working through that? Yeah, I think the, uh, I think the big thing is self-reflection mm-hmm. and that's not something that we readily do because we get busy, but how do you take the time to do it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the best advice I got during that, that period was from a mentor of mine uh, who said, you know what, you need to focus on you and focus on what matters to you. Mm-hmm. And what that actually meant, and it, it was an interesting byproduct, was I got into the sport of triathloning. Okay. And um, I like to say, if you really want to figure out who you are, do a half Ironman or do an Ironman because guess what? You're going to have a lot of time, whether it's swimming back and forth in a pool, whether it's, you know, riding along the coast on, mm-hmm. you know, A1A um, or, or running in, but you're going to have time to be with yourself yeah. and be with your thoughts to say, okay, you know what? This is who I am this is what matters to me and this is what I want to do about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The taking that time and digging into yourself. And I like to say, you know, one of the scariest places for some people, and it was for me, is that 18 inches between your head and your heart and trying to connect those two and make sure it makes sense for you. And uh, one of the things that, you reminded me of when, when you kind of look at what we've done and we look at what we can do, we don't actually own that, right? Mm-hmm. We don't own the past because we can't really do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And when we think about the future, well, you know what? We can prepare for it. We can do what we want to think about, but we don't own that either. Sure. What we do own is the present. 
And we own our actions, we own our attitude, we own our effort, and we own our behavior. So if you figure out what's in your locus of control and pay attention to that, you'll win the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And that'll help you get out of whatever valley you're in and allow you to get to where you want to go. There's so much value in in everything that you said. And one of the things that impacts me the most is focusing on you and making time for you. And I, I love that you give the example of doing a, a triathlon and just whatever it is that puts you in that position to be able to to think, whether it's going on a drive. And I was just talking to somebody last night and, you know, go on a drive and maybe don't jam out to music or listen to podcasts or audiobooks, but maybe just just listen to yourself, even for just if it was a little bit. And being able to do that and really sink into your thoughts has been very beneficial to me. And I haven't done it enough. And I'm still continuing to do that. I'm still continuing to, you know, cut down my frequency on the podcast and cut down on on helping other people. And I, it sounds uh, maybe odd at first, but I, and I've said it before, I've been pouring from an empty cup and I really just need to do what you said is, is focus on me, the time on me and uh, do that self-reflection and in my own personal growth it's not like i'm stopping helping other people but in more focus on me i will be able to grow even more and ultimately and inevitably help people even more and you know you said it a few times too i I don't want to you know miss this is about you can't do it by yourself and i know that's something that comes up a lot in the self-help community and and, and these kind of conversations, but I think it always bears repeating that you can ask for help and you can, and you, and you know what, you even meant, uh, mentioned that you had a mentor, I believe. So there's all these ways, your peers, uh, people all around you that can help you. And even people that are in a mentorship role that can help you. And there's, there's always hope if you so choose that there is hope, right? You can be hopeless and you could have, uh, you know, been in any kind of positions where it seemed hopeless for us. And then if you can't ask for help, then, you know, because sometimes you can't see the way out. So I love that you're able to string all these things together and, and do that. So in speaking about asking for help for other people, in speaking about mentorship, um, th- you said this mentor specifically helped you through these these uh, transitions in your life or one of these transitions. And how did that person come about in your life? And uh, what are some of the gr- the impactful things that they, they helped you with? They taught you, maybe. Well, you... Yeah, well, I, I, <laughs> I feel like I want to unpack a whole lot based on based on what you just said, and I, I'll do it pretty quickly. Sure, sure. Um, my, my experiences have, have kind of taught me to think about personal resilience in, in a way that, that makes sense for, for you know, a Navy, a Navy guy, right? Yeah. It's, and it goes back to making space. And I look at it as, as in mind, body, tribe, and why? So what are you doing to give yourself that m- mindfulness space and uh, allowing yourself to focus on your mental health? So having that headspace. Mm-hmm. What are you doing for, for your body in terms of allowing yourself to have that emotional and mental recovery time, mm-hmm. but also the stamina, function, and mobility that you want in your life? And the tribe piece, and based on your experience, you'll you'll appreciate it. Uh, I break it down into three things. You know, having your own personal QRF. Mm-hmm. You know, who are those five to ten people you can call any time of the day or night 
to get the insight, the account and perspective and accountability that you need. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely crucial to have that for you. For non-military, QRF is a quick reaction force. So it's somebody that, in reality, it's the it's the team or the force that goes out there, and they're just spur of the moment. They can they can spin up this team, whomever they are, and they can go pretty much save the day. And to have friends like that is absolutely crucial. I know for a fact that I have people in my life like that, and I hope that I am that person to somebody else. So I think that goes barely. I have a feeling you are, by the way. I hope so. I hope so. But I think it's right. I, I can't remember how you said it, but essentially, um, oh, and maybe we said it off off camera. And this is probably a good segue to talk about, you know, why do sure. you why do you help people? But um, I, I before we get into it, uh, the mind, body, and tribe is so good. And again, I was having this conversation this week, and just having the holistic approach and not neglecting certain aspects of your life, not neglecting your mental well-being, not neglecting your your health. Because if you don't have your health, if your physical health, your body's going to deteriorate. And and what <laughs> what capacity are you going to be able to live in so to be able to approach this from that holistic approach but even further to have that tribe as we call it you know have that qrf to have those people in your life and to be that person in somebody else's life i i I really love it and it always bears to repeat that too so moving forward into what we talked about about helping other people and it's so funny because you brought it up and and some people i i get that reaction like what you know it, it sounds almost ridiculous like why would you why not help people but i will say what i say every time i ask this question and i ask the question of dennis why do you help people so that the question thus promotes the answer because everybody answers it differently they have a unique they have unique insight onto why it comes from a different place and I want to encourage other people to do it. So Dennis, why do you help people? Well, and, and we talked, uh, you know, before this, uh, and maybe it's from a nautical perspective. You know, <laughs> I, I like to say a, ri- a rising tide raises all boats. And if you want to change the world, you have to start in your own backyard. And you got to be okay with looking at things holistically to say, why do I help people? Mm-hmm. I mean, I help people because I know I'm going to need help. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that the people out there that need help get the help that they need. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to being brave and being courageous. I, my definition of, of courage is probably might be different than others, but it's it courage is not the absence of fear. Mm-hmm. It's actually the acknowledgement of fear mm-hmm. and being able to take two to three steps into it. Mm-hmm. And part of taking a step into it is acknowledging it, identifying it, and saying, you know what? Who do I need to come with me? I love and being open enough to say, hey, you know what? Hey, Christoph, I need you to come with me on this because you know what's going on a lot better than me. You have the perspective that I don't have. You have the experience that that I haven't had yet. And that goes into your mentorship question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you pick a mentor? Sure. Yeah, you want to you want to think about those people that have done what you want to do mm-hmm. and who do it in a way that resonates with you. Mm. Yeah. I think that's really then, important. Because what people do and how they do it is important. Mm-hmm. And you got to make sure that it aligns with your personal values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if all those three things are in line, mentorship makes sense. Yeah. I feel like it's streamlining mentorship, right? I, I think, 
it coincides with you can get information, but how do you intake that information, right? I think a simple example would be you and I probably learn differently. We may not, but we we may learn differently. Most people do learn differently, whether you're visual listeners or learners or you're somebody that can just listen and learn that way. I'm not that person. I need to do it a certain way. So I think it's not just picking a mentor that's knowledgeable in what you want to do uh, to reiterate what Dennis said, but it's, it's picking a mentor that can deliver that knowledge to you in a way that is conducive to the way that you do learn. So I actually haven't had somebody answer that question like that in particular uh, pertaining to mentorship. So that's cool. I love bringing out new things like that. And, you know, I haven't thought about mentorship like that. I, I think about learning like that. But when it comes to mentorship, I haven't. So I appreciate that. And it and it kind of reminds me of something else I like to talk about that, uh, you know, you said courage is, is acknowledging fear. And it just reminds me of uh, one of the reasons that I started this podcast. And it's because I found myself selling myself short. I see other people selling themselves short. I, I, I firmly believe that human beings are capable of more than they think they are. And that if we do believe that we can do things, typically we can do them. And I bring up Roger Bannister all the time with the four minute mile and how inspirational that is to me and how it's changed the lives of, of people since he's, he's ran that. So I'm curious about, you know, how can we help change the culture that people are capable of more because people get, you know, they don't acknowledge fear in the sense of, of having the courage, but they acknowledge fear like, Oh God, <laughs> I'm freaking scared. I'm not going to do this and shy away. And they just, you know, they don't fulfill their potential or even know, that they're selling themselves short. So I'm just curious, you know, off the top, uh, you know, how can we help to change that culture? I don't know. Maybe did you see that in, in yourself and how did you, or how are you working through that for yourself? Well, I think one of the game changers for me uh, was when I got a, introduced to the Leadership Research Institute. Mm -hmm. And uh, why was that a game changer for me? It was because it was actually a group of people that probably had more confidence in me and my abilities that I did it myself at that point in time. Oh, wow. And then they, and they gave me opportunities and literally started a self-assurance and self-confidence machine that is, is still moving in a positive direction today. Hmm. And they, they embraced, I like to say, a fail-forward mentality mm -hmm. that said, you know what, this is what's going on. These are my expectations and let's make it happen. And I think very often in terms of culturally, we don't embrace failure because we don't think, because we look at failure as failure rather than looking at failure as an opportunity to learn something about yourself, about reality, about life and take those with us and put them in our pack instead of throwing them away. Mm-hmm. So if we could figure out, okay, you know what? Yeah, that sucked. But what did I learn? And what am I going to bring with me tomorrow? So that way, A, it doesn't happen again. Or if it does happen again, there are absolutely less impacts to mm -hmm. me, to my team, and to people around me, and to the organization. I think that's what we have to do. And it's it, it starts with us on an individual basis. Mm -hmm and our example and being okay operating outside of our comfort zone mm -hmm. because that's where 
growth happens. Mm -hmm. If you always stay inside your comfort zone, you're never going to get better. I think we live in a society that's kind of like, I think that's like, again, we're recording this. uh, It's going to be weeks in advance uh, in May of 2020, but we're still uh, deep in in COVID times here. And and I think at least in America, I know we have people all outside the country and shout out to you for supporting the channel. It's really cool, the podcast. But um, right now, this is my own opinion. They're, they're, we have it easier here than most places I've traveled to outside the country. So I, I think that uh, it goes with with that a little bit. And and as you we were talking again about failure, I think about even, you know, like, well, what is failure? Like people talk about failure, maybe not enough. And they're afraid of it for sure. Um, I have been for a while. But I think about, you know, what really is failure? I feel as if, just like my definition of success is changing constantly. It's a very dynamic definition for me. I feel as if my definition of failure is continuously changing. And it's, I'm almost like, I asked that question, like how we're selling ourselves short and how we work through it. And how do we help other people recognize that they are doing that too and fulfill their greatest potential? Well, I feel as if my definition of failure is, is not taking the chance, quote unquote chance to see if I could indeed fail when I do something. I think about my day job, you know, like I'm, 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 I'm in fear every single day because it's a new job, a new role. I've never done it before. And the way I'm mitigating that at least and ensuring I'm learning is by asking questions early and often and documenting what I'm doing. But it coincides with another thing you've said a few times is it's okay to ask for help, you know? So ask for help and not be afraid with the failure. And I think if you wrap all these things up in totality that Dennis is saying right here, and hopefully a couple tidbits of what I'm saying is that you have a pretty, you know, not, not foolproof, but you have a pretty good package to start with a pretty good baseline to say, you know, you know what, I'm not going to feel failure. I'm not going to say there isn't you know, fear or there isn't failure, but I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to fail forward. I'm going to not be afraid to ask for help. And uh, I'm going to have mentors in my life, but mentors that align to me and like all these things that, that he's, that Dennis is saying right now is just really good. And I, I typically say, I hope you walk away from the podcast with at least one thing, but I think this can be a good example of walking away with multiple things to add to the tool bag of, of success of uh, however that person defines it. So I think that it's true. I mean, you just got to keep on working, right? I mean, it's it's not going to be easy. I, I think it, it's a saying of it's it's simple. It's simple. It sounds simple. It's simple to have these conversations maybe, but to turn around, to hang up, and now you're by yourself in your own thoughts and, you know, that, that that's totally different. Well, the, you know, as a coach, uh, one, of the, one of the questions I really like to ask is, what's the worst thing that could happen? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. It's a great question. And really taking a second and sitting in that thought, and I like to say simmering in the possibilities, and then we'll actually realize that the worst thing that could actually happen really isn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that typically, and then typically is the case for sure. Looking on the other side of the spectrum, Christoph, is what's the best thing that could happen? See, that's a so great very question. Often we, that's a great question. Very often we overestimate the bad and underestimate the good. Mm. You know, and I love that you bring that up because again, and I, I always kind of, um, you know, I always try to rebound what the, what the guest is saying, what you're saying. And I only have myself to speak for. So that's why I talk about it in that sense. But I know again, in my own world, I think you just get so focused and wrapped around like 
what if I fail? Like you said, and I love that you brought in, but what if I succeed? And I heard somebody say that, um, it doesn't matter, but you just said it now. And that's the second time I've heard it now. And I need to, I just, I need to do it more because I don't. So I'm always like, I'm just perpetually driven by what if I fail or what if it doesn't work out? But why can't we re-engineer our minds to not, again, shy away from fear or failure, but to embrace those, to learn from them and just go towards the light, go towards, well, what if I do succeed? What if I do what I want to do. So I think that's a phenomenal thing to end on. And a good question we can all ask two questions. You know, what if I fail? What's the worst thing that could happen? Typically, not too bad. Uh, maybe if you're in a combat situation or something, it's a little bit different, you know, and that that's, that, that's totally different, you know, but fortunately for us, uh, we're not doing that right now. And most of us are not. But what if you do succeed? And that's a very special thing to focus on. I, I really appreciate that, Dennis. This has been a pleasure. But before we get out of here, could you please share with us uh, how, you know, how can people contact you? Maybe if they want to work with you, talk with you, learn more from you. Sure. The best way to get in contact with me is on LinkedIn. And um, I'm, I'm on there all the time. And um, I would love to connect uh, with anybody that uh, is interested to talk about uh, decision-making, to talk about individual and organizational resilience, as well as, I like to call it personal engagement, to knowing about who you are, uh, what matters to you, and how do you make personal and professional decisions based on that. Perfect. You all, I'll link the, uh, I'll link his LinkedIn. I'm like getting tongue twisted here, but I'll link the LinkedIn in the show notes. You all will be able to find Dennis in the show notes, head over to his LinkedIn and uh, spark up a conversation, especially if you want to follow up on some of these great things we talked about here. So Dennis, thank you so much. Uh, like I said, this has been a pleasure. I know everyone's going to learn a bunch. That's why I love this podcasting gig. Cause you know, I, I learned a lot more again today and I'm just, I, I have my own, this is like my own mentorship. You know, I'm getting to learn from you and everybody else. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate your insight, your experience and your vulnerability and sharing your stories so that we can help each other and, and help other people listening to this. Absolutely, so thanks so bro. much and have a great night. Oh.